Oh, I'm in full dad movie m- mode this summer. I'm a two-year-old, and this is a two-year-old movie, but I love these movies during the summer. And I love that clip from Despero where he opens this book that is this um, wide-open thing for him to take all the meaning, all the truth, all the adventure out of. And he's on this one-mouse mission to do that. I want to talk about our one-people missions today to do all kinds of things. If you're here for the first time today, we welcome you. Also, we welcome those who are on the podcast today, particularly in Wisconsin and in Ohio. And we hope that the humidity is not too stultifying where you are. And want you to know it's just perfect here on the Central Coast. It's just the greatest weather on the face of the earth. So So we uh, began a couple weeks ago with our Marriage Ref series, and we talked a couple weeks ago about joy killers or things that can kill our joy in our marriages. And the biggest thing is sarcasm. The things that may be funny for one person are not always funny for the other. And you have to be careful about that kind of humor. Uh, For example, uh, this couple were out and they were uh, riding in the country and they then uh, came across these animals. And later that evening, the husband made this awful sarcastic remark. He said, you know, are those your relatives or are you related to them? And and she said, yeah, I I married into the family. So, you know... (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that. Those are not the kinds of things you want to say. And then just last week, we looked at how all marriages need to be bigger than two. It has to be bigger than just the two of you. And like Priscilla and Aquila, you need a project in your life that you wake up and you get excited about. And and that's the thing that you stand for. Well, today, in our last message in this series, I want to talk to people who are single here today. And by the way, the word single is not the greatest word uh, in the world. And interestingly, all the words we use to describe people who are single are not exactly uplifting. They either connote something wrong with you or something missing with your life. Just look at the list. Single, alone, loser, by oneself, widower, widower. I've never known somebody who wants to describe themselves in those terms. Solitary, bachelor, bachelorette. So in this church, we want to come up with a new term. And we want you to use this if it feels good for you, but we think this is a term that we want us to think about as a church. We want us to talk about flying solo. Would you say that with me? Flying solo. If you're single, you are flying solo. And there are a lot of reasons that we fly solo in our lives. It's, uh, we have the obvious reasons, but there are many reasons why we do this. Um, maybe you just have not decided to get married yet. Maybe you haven't gotten married and you're flying solo. Maybe you've decided to never marry, and this is going to be your calling in your life. Or maybe your spouse has gone on to the next life. Interestingly, 50% of this congregation are people who are flying solo. Maybe you're divorced or in the process of a divorce. Maybe your spouse is not a Christ follower. That can be a, a mission of solo flying in your life when you're the only one who connects with Jesus Christ. The last way that we can fly solo is even when we're married, we can have moments of flying solo. In the next couple of weeks, my wife, Star, is heading off to Tennessee, where she spends time with her family about once a year, and uh, spends about two weeks. And so I get to fly solo for a couple of weeks. And I tell you, when this happens in my life, I have one of two extremes. Either I have the most uplifting connection to God, or I go completely to pieces, I've had both extremes. If I go to pieces, it usually begins with Wendy's and television. And that usually leads to Jack in the Box and McDonald's and whatever else. And 14 million hours of television later, I have completely gone to the extreme of being disconnected from the world, from God, from myself. It's not a pretty picture. But there are moments when I have actually decided while I'm flying solo 
to connect with God, to clean up the house, to light a candle, to put on some music, to open my Bible. And I believe that God wants to use our flying solo experiences, and all of us will have them, all of us had had them, and all of us were going to have more of them in our lives. And God wants to use these times in our lives to speak to us in deep ways. Now, the character I want to talk about today is one who had both these totally disconnected experiences with God and one who is deeply connected to God. His name was Jacob. He had two names, actually, Jacob the Struggler or Israel the Striver. That, I find, is a good description of people who fly solo. Either they struggle or they strive. Now, Jacob, as you just to give a little background, Jacob took his entire brother's inheritance. He stole it. He downloaded his brother's bank account. He ran away from his father, Isaac. He ran out into the desert. Later, he became an indentured servant to Levon or Levon, who had him for 21 years, and he was a trickster. Be careful if you're a trickster because you can be tricked in your life. Tricksters, if you live by the sword, you can die by the sword. Jacob is there for 21 years, and then he uh, uh, connects with his brother, and they, he wrestles with God on the banks of the river Jabbok. I love that. The Hebrew word for Jacob in struggle is the same. So it is Yavok Yavoked on the river Yavok, and he threw out his Yavok, which is his hip bone. It's a Jewish pun. We welcome all the Jews in our congregation this morning. And so this is his background. He had deep disconnection in his flying solo moments, and he had deep connection. And today I want to lift up the deep connection with God. It is one of the most profound inbreakings of God in the entire Bible, and it happens during a solo experience. Let's listen uh, for God's Word. We're looking at Genesis 28, and then we're going to look through 1 through 10. Listen for God's Word, and as you fly solo in your lives, wherever it may be, think of how God might want to break into your life. This is what happens to Jacob. He left Beersheba and set out for Haran. Beersheba, interestingly, is similar to Gaza. You've been reading about Gaza in the news this last week. The Gaza Strip, Beersheba is very near to that. Now, when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. I don't know if you've ever been out in the desert, but when the sun goes down, the stars light up instantly. And there before you is a chandelier, and the evening stars and the sounds of the crickets, and the animals, and it's just you and God, and it was just Jacob and God. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head, and he lay down to sleep. This is not a Tempur-Pedic pillow. This is a stone under his head. He had a dream. Now, this is how God speaks to him in a dream, in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending it. Remember that old Negro spiritual song, we are climbing Jacob's ladder. This is where this text comes from. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. Now there above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord. You always know it's God because he says, I am the Lord. Only Jesus never did that. This is why people said, well, Jesus isn't the Lord. He didn't say he was Lord, even though he is the Lord. And then this voice says to him, this is the God of your father Abraham, your grandfather Abraham, and your father Isaac. Oh, this is about to be a bad dream. This is the man he ran away from a long time ago. But here is what God says to Jacob. I will give you and your descendants. And even married yet, and he's talking about his descendants. I will give you and your descendants the land in which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and the peoples in the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. And will watch over you wherever you go, 
and I will bring you back to this land, and I will leave, I will not leave until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob wakes up from this dream, he thinks, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Did you know that that is the description of being a Christ follower? Jesus Christ is in everybody's life. It's Christ followers who recognize it, and they say, surely the Lord is in my life, but I didn't know it before. And this is what God says to Jacob, surely the Lord is in my life. I didn't know this. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? We're not talking about 1980s awesome. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. God spoke to Jacob during his flying solo experience. And I believe God wants to speak to people who are flying solo in a special way in this life. My grandma just turned 90 years old. She lives in South Pasadena, and I called and made a terrible mistake the other day. I said to her, Grandma, congratulations on, I couldn't remember if it was 90 or 91, and I said, congratulations on being 91. She said, don't do that to me. It's another year before I'm 91. My grandma went out to, uh, she decided to fly from Los Angeles to Budapest and take a trip, Budapest, Hungary, and take a trip from Budapest to Bucharest, Budapest, Hungary to Bucharest, Romania. She's 90 years old. That's a 10-hour flight from Los Angeles to Budapest, and then it's about a 10-day trip down that river. Now, here's the thing. Grandma decided that actually she would take a bus from South Pasadena to LAX airport. Grandma, that's crazy. I mean, first of all, you're going to go through Englewood and Compton and Watts, some really bad neighborhoods. It's not a good idea. She said, oh, I grew up in Merced. I can handle it. (laughs) Grandma, I think it's a little different. I said, well, Grandma, also, you're going to have your baggage. You're going to have your bags there, and you're going to have to get on and off the bus. She said, oh, I've only just got the one bag. I knew I needed to talk my grandma out of taking the bus from Pasadena to LAX. Grandma, how many stops will it take you to get between Pasadena and LAX? I don't know, seven or eight, she said. How long will it take you to get from LAX to Budapest? Ten hours, she said. Grandma, it's going to take you half as long to get from LAX Pasadena LAX as it will take to get from LAX to boot. Oh, I guess you're right, she said. (laughs) But Grandma just got back. Now, here's a woman who grew up in the church. She was married to a pastor, so she went to church three times every Sunday. She raised five kids in the church. She knows about connecting to God. She is now flying solo in her life. And I asked her, Grandma, in your 90th year, did God speak to you in a deep way in your life on this trip? She said, oh, yeah. When I was out there on that river with the stars overhead and my bag and my Bible, God spoke to me. And God speaks to us, too. And I believe that if you're flying solo today, the world says all kinds of things about you. It says that you call yourself single, you're alone, that you're in a place where nobody wants you or nobody needs you. God is going to speak to you in a special way if you will simply listen to his voice in this time of flying solo. That's the first thing I want to say today, is that God speaks and inspires people in solo moments. True story, about 110 years ago or so, the main communication in this country was the telegraph. Now, for those of you who are under 40, that's an electronic wire that connects two ticker tape things together so they can make message. Well, this true story where these were the best jobs to get in the early 1900s. If you wanted a great job, you'd be a ticker tape. Uh, You would be a Morse code reader for a telegraph office. Well, 
One day, there was this office that was looking for a young man to do this. In those days, it was young men who did it. And so they had 10 people come at 10 o'clock with their suits and with their resumes, and they were ready for the job. Then at 11 o'clock, a man, a young boy, comes in totally disheveled, completely out of sorts, and asks, where do I go for the interview? The other guy said, well, it's too late. You know, we're here, and we look good, and we have a resume. You're not getting the job. Then he said, shh. And he walked into the back of the office where the boss was, and he closed the door, and he wrote something on a piece of paper, and he handed it to the boss, and the boss put his arm around the guy, and he walked down to the main office, and the boss said, we found our young man. Thanks, fellas, for coming in, but we've got our guy. What do you mean you've got the guy? He said, well, for the last hour, that Morse code machine has been saying, if you can read this, come and write this message down, and you can have the job. So he got the job. Now, I believe God does that all the time. God sends these messages through to us in our lives, and it's only those who are listening for that that can actually write it down and tell the rest of us. And a whole lot of other people in this life are just looking for a job. And I believe that if you are flying solo today for whatever reason, I know of a woman whose husband is down in Louisiana cleaning up the oil, and she is flying solo for the next three months. I would know of another woman whose husband is off in Afghanistan and she's flying solo with three little babies right now. If you're flying solo, I believe God wants to use you in a special way through this time. Did you know that some of the people, I would say 90% of the Bible, were people who were flying solo missions? That's who God spoke to. Just a couple of people on this list, Moses. Now Moses was married to Zipporah, not a name you hear very often, Zipporah. But he was at a solo moment when he was on Mount Horeb that he heard God's voice in this burning bush. And it was another solo moment when he was on another mountain and God gave the greatest set of laws in the history of humankind, the Ten Commandments. God also spoke to Paul, who never married. He flew an entire life of solo mission. And it was interestingly near Haran. It was near Damascus in Syria. There's something about that desert in Syria where God speaks to people. And he spoke to him as he was on his trip and a big lightning bolt came down from, from God. And one-third of the New Testament is because of this solo mission. Paul was listening for God's voice. And even Mary, you know, the Virgin Mary who bore the Son of God, who bore God into the world. That was a solo mission. And yeah, Joseph was betrothed to her, but it was really between she and God. When she rode on that donkey, it was really a solo mission. God spoke to her in a special way. So if you're flying solo, know that this is a time when God wants to speak to you in a new way. But also think about this. If you're flying solo, these are also moments of great temptation. The great irony or the paradox is this. God can speak best in some ways to people in solo moments, and yet they are also the same people who are tempted the most in life. There's the great paradox. There's a there's a plant in the Sumatran rainforest in Sumatra called the corpse plant. Not a nice name, but it's not a nice plant. It smells, it smells like rotting corpses. It also looks like a piece of flesh. Animals come up to this plant all the time, and they come up to its leaves, and little insects will come up, and the plant will engulf whatever comes into that plant because it's attracted by the instant smells and the instant fleshiness of this plant. It seems like a graphic image, but, but temptation works in the same way in our lives. 
in people who, who are most open to God, it's like a great vacuum. God can fill that with the voice of God, but it can, it can also be filled by all kinds of other things. You know the time when Jesus was most tempted? It wasn't when he was standing before Pilate or when he was on the cross. It's when he was in the middle of the desert with the evil one. And he tempted him in three ways. And it's the same three ways that I think people who are flying solo get tempted today. The first is with pleasure. God said to Jesus, would you just turn this stone into bread and you can eat? Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone. In other words, he pushed away that instant pleasure of that bread that he thought that, that he didn't need, and he didn't. The second was towards popularity. The evil one came to Jesus and said, look at this great city. I can make you popular if you just come and follow me. Jesus pushed away that temptation. The final is idolatry. The evil one said, I can instantaneously make you God of the universe. Jesus, of course, knew that he already was. If you are flying solo right now, I know it is not an easy mission. I know that. I've flown solo in my life. But my endearment to you and God's endearment to you today is to push the things away that are tempting to you and to open yourself up to the Word of God. Do you know this world needs your voice right now more than at any other time? We have the Gulf oil spills. We have abject poverty. We have financial destitution. We have endemic diseases. Our world seems to be falling apart. And I believe it's through you that God may want to break into this world and give us a voice of reason and inspiration. But finally, let's remember this. If you're flying solo, you really are not alone. Nobody who actually is with Jesus Christ ever flies solo. I saw this movie, Amelia Earhart, the other day, the great flyer, early part of the 1900s, who flew a transatlantic flight from New York to Europe. She was a solo flyer. She also tried to fly around, circumnavigate the globe. And she came up with all kinds of insights. They came to her as she was just flying that plane. The same way that God can give each of you insights as you're flying solo missions. But as you know, The way that she died, we think, is that her plane came into the South Pacific Islands and outside of Howland Island, somewhere her plane had to be ditched into the water. Now that must have been the most lonely experience we can only imagine. And I don't know if Amelia Earhart knew who Christ was. But I do know this, if she did she would really not have been the pilot of that plane. That Jesus Christ would have been the pilot. That she would have been the co-pilot. And she wouldn't have felt alone. None of us really fly solo missions. You know, they actually started a church once that was for people who were entirely of solo mission status. It was called the Benedictine Order. It happened in the year 400 A.D., It happened that the world was falling apart in such a way the Roman Empire was coming to an end and there were all kinds of chaotic situations. And one man said, we are starting an entire congregation of people flying solo. They were called Benedictine monks and nuns. Now, I don't know what you think about when you think about Benedictine monks and nuns, but I don't exactly think of joy. (laughs) But they were. They were channeling God in an extremely special way and they were pushing away the temptations of the world. And one of the great prayers in history was written by Benedict for the people who were flying solo. And he had them say it every morning. And this is the prayer. Gracious God, 
Grant us that the intellect we may understand, the reason to discern, diligence to seek, wisdom to find, spirit to know, heart to meditate. May our ears hear you. May our eyes behold you. May our tongues proclaim you. This is my favorite part here. Grant us a perfect end. Isn't that what you want? A perfect end that your holy presence and life everlasting may be through Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are today, but if you're flying solo, God has chosen you in a special way at this moment. Maybe you won't fly solo forever. Maybe it's just a time that your spouse is away. But God can speak deeply into your life, and he wants to use you in a special way. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for these words. Lord, we lift up all of our lives at this moment. We thank you that you flew solo. You flew solo into this world, a place that was an enemy place, and you flew a solo mission to come save all of us. And you lived and you died and you came back to life again. Lord, I pray that you'd use all of us, people who are married and people who are flying solo. And we ask that you would speak to us and we know that you will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.